thanks for listening to another episode of Tales from Corporate. So this episode is about parachutes. (laughs) Parachutes, what color is your parachute? And when you go to deploy your parachute, will it open? And where will you land? Parachutes, please, Maria, go ahead. Actually, kick kick us up. Say a little bit more about your experience with parachutes while I'm gathering my thoughts here. Okay. Especially given the week we've had, for for those of y'all who will listen to this later, um, this was the week of the January 6th insurrection of the nation's capital. And I was personally beside myself, as I know many people were, watching things, very routine pretty relatively dry congressional proceeding turn into um, a moment in history. Right. So we won't get too political with you, but what we wanted to connect to is when you align yourself at a firm, maybe you picked the wrong team (laughs) and it's time to jump ship bail and deploy your parachute. And what you may have witnessed this week is many different people submitting resignation letters. And I chuckle a little bit because some of us have been in positions where you may have a resume uh, letter in your draft folder (laughs) for quite some months. You may be, it's a, a work in refinement. You refine it, you refine it. Sometimes you're really angry and you add a few more sentences and then you go, no, it should be very short. Some people get very verbose, but the shorter, the better, I want to say. Succinct, too. And sometimes, you know, it's not really good to take a dig. But anyway, people were surprised, some people in the public's eye of, um, well, that was quick resignation with only 13 days left to go in the administration. And what was driving that? Well, (laughs) a lot of it is CV, which is curriculum vitae, and resume (laughs) maintenance. People do, to to us it may seem clear, but a lot of these individuals, they worked at the White House of the United States of America. On your resume, that's a pretty heavy hitter. So a lot of people in Washington may work at law firms, may go to lobbies. I mean, lobbies, I don't want to sound bad, but they they might not have the same scruples as some other as some other firms that want, don't want to be associated with that. So uh, a lot of people try to salvage what they have of their reputation and realize they're going to go back to private civilian life, not working for the government. And they're trying to preserve, make an attempt to preserve uh, what they can so that they can, you know, mainline and, and mix in to the, <laughs> the regular workforce. <laughs> Um, they'll land somewhere. So that's the, the question, right? What kind of parachute do you have? Do you have a golden one? Do you have a platinum one? And, uh, do you have one you, at all? Yeah, do you have one at all? Did you even get a package? Is your severance package only like one month? Is it? Were you able to negotiate? Oh, I love that my daddy and my uncles taught me how to negotiate very aggressively. And it's funny. I'm saying very aggressively, but it's political because if I say they taught me how to do it like a man not necessarily the best thing. It should just be that it's aggressive, period. So I'm an aggressive negotiator when it comes to my compensation. It's like, are you 
enabled do you feel that you can ask for things do you think that it's a final offer some people go in the room and, and don't know how to say no this is what i want i had a coworker who that was weird though she had a two-month two who resigns and gives a, a letter two months out and she wasn't that important believe it or not <laughs> and the company was so lazy it was the weirdest situation everyone's like who does that you, you know maybe the there's firms. Go ahead. So I, there, there are firms that for a variety of reasons, will keep the person on so that they can train the new person. So that the individual leaving is actually doing them somewhat of a favor by giving them a heads up so that they no longer invest too heavily in that person and all the things. So it's, it makes but sense, it, but it's it might, weird. Because it might be it, I know what you're thinking, you know, coming from financial services, that's a risk. But not all it's a risk for the corporation. It's a risk Mm -hmm. for the corporation, but it's also weird because this employee, they were heavily disenfranchised. One, two, they were looking for a new position because they were so broke from the poor compensation received at that current job. So why would you delay an increase to your bottom line for the corporation? I'm not sure, but it, in that individual case, that might might have been a variety of reasons. But I like that you touched off on aggressive negotiation. It's not political. It's actually there's a lot of literature that has been written over the last 15 years that women historically have not negotiated at all, or not not have not negotiated as aggressively as their male counterparts for the same role, and so. Yes, we know from Department of Labor that there's a disparity between how men and white men and white women get paid between uh, for the same uh, job with the same level of experience. And that disparity gets even more gaping between um, that male and uh, woman of color. So uh, last I checked, it was something like six, 60 something cents to, to the dollar, like 69 cents to the dollar. It was or even lower than that. Um, so your family gave you a gift in empowering you to negotiate for, for yourself. I haven't negotiated as hard as I should for myself and all sorts of reasons I've given myself. One, you know, I don't want to establish a tense relationship with a very new manager. Or two, I'm a, a black female. Right. So I don't want to come across out the gate as angry. These might be what some people have blocking them from going in to petition and advocate is really what you're talking about. We say it's aggressive negotiation, but actually it's advocating for yourself to be paid what you're worth. Given what I just said about the tendency to be accepted on, on a deal and be, be paid at a coupon or discount rate. But I, you know, I, I love a good uh, sale. I love, I love some discounts and coupons and all the rest of it, but not when it comes to what I'm getting paid. And I'm sure not very many people feel that as well. So what keeps you in negotiating? And, and we are talking about um, parachutes. So it, it's good to think about this ahead of time. It may seem uh, dark or negative or something like that, but why not just be prepared in case? You know, so you can have it in your pocket and then forget it. 
you know? No, we, we have a mutual friend who at, at one time they thought that the end was coming for them at their corporation back in New York. And the friend was trying to figure out and do some family planning. And sometimes you have to be stealth. My advice for our mutual friend was say, you know what? Get pregnant now if you think the end is coming and start to negotiate your exit package. You may have a little bit more leeway with that. That may sound savage to some people, but why start a family when you're unemployed? You have more health care benefits when you're employed. The employer may actually delay laying you off or furloughing you if you're in the family way. But when you're thinking of survival, these are the things, you know, Sometimes when a woman gets a little bit older, you have to think, well, am I going to wait another year, two years before I get situated at another corporation? Because nobody wants to. That's almost worse to me, right? Where Maria, and I know this is like total stealth mode I'm in, but when you think about what we saw this week at the insurrection at the Capitol, the the aftermath, people move very quickly to execute their exit strategies or try to um, use leverage. And what I'm suggesting is don't subjugate your needs and delay possibly expanding your family in this use case another two years because what you don't want to do is get pregnant within the first year of your new your new executive job. You're so technology in this use case. <laughs> so, yes, I am. So, 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 I mean, it sounds super stealth, but as you can see here, pointing back to Wednesday, you now have, in the aftermath, some people attempting to de-escalate, people using leverage, like there are people who want to say, okay, you know what? In corporate, you don't get to keep access to the database, the cloud, the servers, important files, and uh, intellectual property of the org or the corp prolongs. Usually sometimes, even if you give them a resignation, that may be your last day. You have to be prepared to be walked out immediately. They Mm -hmm. may let you stay to the end. It depends on what your access to the information is in the corporate culture. And also uh, whether they think you're at risk or not and your boss. You know, it, it, it depends on several different factors. So what I get at is, is that now you have, in this case, for all of us, the president of a major uh, first world com- uh, 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 country who has access to many things. And people are like, we need to sh- we need to shut this down. We need we need to limit access until their last days. So it's almost like your two weeks notice. <laughs> We're in the two weeks. Notice and people going, this is too risky. We need to mitigate our risks. And that's what you're seeing here. And then now you have different um, actors on the stage going, you know what? We can execute a certain strategy, but maybe we should wait a a few days. So people trying to slow walk it. But let's use Elaine Chow, for instance, and then Betsy DeVos. Both women have worked in corporate America before working for the government. And... You may say to yourself, well, a resignation letter 13 days before the end of that administration, what are they doing there? And that is straight up unadulterated resume maintenance. 
Yeah, they're sending a sig- they're sending a signal. Exactly. Go ahead, Maria. You know, I'm I'm just picking back off of what you just said. There, someone once told me years ago. You know, in my my grasshopper days, <laughs> my job. She said to me, she took me aside and gave me unsolicited mentorship, but I never forgot it. She said, you know, another thing that I learned in my my days is perception is reality. Perception is reality at these jobs. So, so manage how you are perceived. Can we talk about that? Yeah. And then, you know, I adore Carla Harris. I, I think she should be you know, given all sorts of um, medals and she's a national treasure, but then she expands on it and, and such a practical uh, way that I, even friend, our mutual friends have found great value in her saying, if there's something you want to be known for, you got to start letting people know that that's what you want to be known for. And something happens there's a shift. So with what happened this week, you know, regardless of, you know, where your politics are, when your boss does something that kind of blows up in, in, in everybody's face, how do you move? And how, how, given you are still, as you were talking about a couple moments ago, at the end of the day, you're, you're stuck with you. You're what you have. How do you, how do you manage? Okay. Let's, let's do this. So Let, one didn't. of the things I'll, I'll pick up there, Maria, because yes, one of the things yes, you have to do is you have to be aware that when your team, your ambassador, your coach, your protector at the office, your sponsor exits stage left, mm-hmm. it would be very smart to pack up your bags and be right behind that person. <laughs> when in an org, if you you have to you have to know the lay of the land, and you need to understand if your office or your culture has any palisandry, you need to know who are your protectors, and if now you've lost the people who you can get initiatives through, push things up, get change, good change, make it effective at your org, and get your projects on the board funded. If you've lost that, you're rendered almost useless and you will be angled out, pushed to the side. And that is a decision you have to make. Do I stay here and wait for the new administration to come in? In the case of the United States, you pick your own cabinet. But in a sense of in corporate, do I stay for the new reign of the new big boss? Will they um, want me? Do they have their own people they want to bring in? Am I seen as hostile and part of the old administration? Am I to be cut out like a cancer? You have to, or do I want to stay here and collect a check and be made irrelevant? Because that hurts as well too at the office. But to go back to what Carla Harris explained to you, Maria, that is huge. I learned that lesson years ago about perception is reality at the office. And, and this is, goes out to the listeners really hard because you may be at the office or at the job working very, very hard. You're always, um, for lack of a better term, but you're always dumped on. You get the heavier workload, the caseload, and you're going like, why does this keep happening to me? But yet I'm not getting the promotions. I'm not, I'm getting more work, but I'm not carrying more favor. 
I'm not getting the compensation. Why? Perception. It's so huge. I learned years ago that there are some people, and you may have an aha moment here. There are some people who are very busy <laughs> at the office of looking busy, but they don't know work. Oh, they don't produce my anything. God. They yeah. are the best. They are best dressed. They are always on their phones looking busy. They are on the computer looking like they're working, but they produce nothing. They may mm. even use people who work with them or underneath them and co-op their ideas, come into meetings, always making sure they have one or two comments to add to make sure that they look intelligent and enlightened, but they do not know what is actually required. They do not know the work. They do not produce. And you go to yourself, how is it that they're getting ahead? Perception. They've mastered, They've mastered it. Perception. They're playing chess while you're playing checkers, working hard. And it's good to be a worker bee. I love prodding myself on having that. I came up, I was, I was, I'm a worker bee. However, there is a leap you want to make from being a worker bee, but also to get to the level of an executive, get to that level of compensation, get to be viewed that way. And I've been there. Sometimes I have a baby face and I've had a lot of that in my corporate career of the perception. I look young. I look young. Mm. Can she really handle a team? Does she really know? It's it's perception. So you know who I'd like to bring up as a as an example? Because she is being accused, the healthcare company that crashed. Elizabeth. Oh, oh Elizabeth? Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes? Elizabeth Holmes, yes. Oh, I was and obsessed with her. Okay, okay, so yeah, was I. The, I'm still, the, I'm still fraud, the, the fraudulence. Okay, but, but, I don't even want to get into the fraud. What I Ooh. do want to talk about, though. But, 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 side, but many, side note, you guys need to check out the documentary on her, because it's chilling. Go ahead. It is, it is. But ahead, when you... Maybe this will lead you to that series, you know, that series. But I will tell you, one of the things that I kind of was like, I do know about this because I did study this and I know it makes a difference. She would talk in a lower register. So a lower tone of voice. So she would talk like this because scientific research lends to the fact that men tend to listen to different voices more than others, tones. So the higher your register, meaning a high, more high-pitched voice, a.k.a. Uh, a more akin to a, a feminine voice, people tend to tune it out. She talks with a lower voice because she perceives that is listened to more than the register she used to have. No, it's not just her that perceives it. This is... I know, scientific, so I'm not, I wasn't mad at her in that part of of kind of scamming of, of, because I I also have, I mean, this is us talking here as friends, um, longtime friends, but I also have my voice that I use when I'm in meetings and I'm presenting. It's it's a little different. However, uh, I wasn't mad at her at that part, but, but, but it stuck out because people who knew her, right? 
people who knew her was like, that's not how she sounds. That's not <laughs> how really how she sounds, how she talks. So I guess you could say maybe it's code switching. But that part I identified with as far as getting your messaging across because you're trying to be the CEO of your own company. However, we know also the makeover becoming going from a brunette to a, a complete like almost platinum blonde or a sandy ashy blonde. The outfits, the clothes she was wearing, that's a whole nother story. But that all went to the perception. People who um, want to look like they're streamlined and and they have their own methodology. I mean, that's definitely, you know, me and IT, but people ha- want to look like they have their own methodology. So people who I only wear the same outfit every day. It's not the same. I didn't wear the same pants, you know, the same set of pants, but I only have five pairs of these pants because it's the most efficient pants for me to wear. And then I have to worry about picking on my outfit. So I wear the same shirt, same pants, same blazer to work. And I have 10 of them. Not me, myself, but I'm saying there are people who who live by that code. They want to look like they're efficient all the time. And it goes too. So like we all do want to be perceived well. Down to the case we take to work, the shoes we wear. Many people I find in LA, because we live out here now, Maria, it gets down to the parking lot. That's huge. What car you drive? Are you eco-friendly? Are you driving a battery-powered vehicle, a rechargeable vehicle? Are you driving a huge tanker that takes up two parking spaces? People pay attention. I was in one firm where the parking lot was a very big deal, and people would make comments about what car you parked and then where you parked. Where you parked. And if you parked in a certain place, you came in later. Oh, it's like a hilarious. But girl, um, <laughs> also too, Margaret Thatcher. She had to lower, I just got finished, you know, watching the Iron Lady. Um, and it, she played, it, she's portrayed on, on the Crown series like this, on the Iron Lady series. She was also coached to lower her register while running to be the Prime Minister of, 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 of England, of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not even just a... I hear thing. We've seen examples all around us in this, this management of perception, but in connection with that, when (laughs) things go awry with your sponsor or your, uh, your leader and they exit stage left, I went to a, a really wonderful conference and I'll probably talk about this conference on a later episode, but that made the point and woke us up. They said, you know, for your, connections. If you were to lose your job tomorrow, do you have three people internally and three people externally that you could call who could either speak on your behalf, give you a strong recommendation, or potentially offer you a job? And if not, part of your job is to find those people. Mm. I said, I, I mean, wigs were snatched that day, Elise. Because that's when I realized, and, and the people around me, we have a ton of internal connections, but there are certain, but that's just like, we, we all have sort of the same experience and the same, with the same type of people. We weren't diversifying our network and who knew about our perception. So that's the part two, right? Manage how you are perceived. And then who's, who's perceiving you? If you are just around your peers in your level, and your manager's peers don't know about you, 
And your manager's manager doesn't know about you and your manager's manager's peers don't know about you. Then it's all good that you have this perception, but you need to figure out a way again, your job is not just the widget that you are tasked to uh, work on or the stack of papers that you're asked to move. Your job is also to make these connections, these relationships and manage them for such a time as, like when your boss exits stage left. <laughs> you got to get your work seen. And I've always envied those individuals who, when the boss leaves, the boss actually brings them to the next job. I haven't quite had that yeah. experience yet. Yeah. I've had what? colleagues bring me over to other places a, a little bit after, you know, maybe six months to a year after they've exited. But I've not had it where I've had a big boss and I've been part of the, the crew that they bring over. But you know what? Who knows what's in the next chapters? Yeah, I was going to say, it's a little bit of a numbers game, especially um, now we're entering um, mid-career, right? Now we're solidly mid-career. I, I, we, congratulations, you know, we're here. I, the other experience I've had is I've listened to tons of people talk about have a mentor and a sponsor. I would say, no, have a team, have a, a board of advisors, and then have some, you know, forgive me, you know, you and I, we are, we're from New York City, have some rabbis in there, like have some people who are empowered to potentially create a role, should you need one at a different firm, or at your firm in a different part of the organization. That goes beyond this business of having somebody who gives you advice. You need the people who give you the advice that you want to hear, you know, the kind of supporters, the, the ones that are cool. You also need the people who are naysayers who are going to test your idea. Talking about this podcast, you and I had both. We had people who were like, historically, always told us when any idea we had was great. And then we also have people that we keep close to us that are super analytical and critical and we'll beat up our ideas before, for us, before any critics can do that, right? So that's what I mean by, no, nah, get yourself a team, get yourself a board of advisors, and then get yourself, by, by get yourself, build and nurture and maintain relationships with people who could take you with, could take you with them potentially and, and add roles to their organization and you'd probably be surprised. You probably know them already. I'll tell you, um, I've heard tales of people who moved groups after so many people told them so many reasons why they weren't worthy to move groups. And the people who ended up coming through for them, they never worked directly with. It was people who they just made an impression on. And I'm always like, wow, at those stories. It's almost, beautiful, but also frustrating for those of us that are like, but we work so hard to maintain these relationships and nothing's popping off. And I don't sometimes know if, it is, if you have any thoughts as, about it. No, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just as simple as who you know. That's good. Codes in the perception. Those are those things you have to learn. Sometimes it's not what you know. It's not where you went to school necessarily. It's not even what you know how to do or how capable you are. And whether or not you deliver on time. Sometimes it's just as simple as someone is in the know, someone is liked, yep, and someone yep. is preferred. 
or and or as in the case to then to close out on our theme, who you're related to. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's you know not at all nepotism. Yes, the good old nepotism. So I mean, I actually benefit from that, believe it or not. When I, I did for the listeners, you know, I did mention in another episode that, you know, my family worked at a big, huge hospital and when I went for one particular summer to go work um, in a special like satellite office, which was pretty huge at the time, everyone that was in that satellite office, we were in different departments. All of the interns like myself for the summer were all children of other employees. Wow. And it ranged. Like no one was any particular color. But we all were related to people who work. And I was like so ashamed because I remember I didn't want to take that position because, but I was not finding work. And my mom was like, you're going to go to, you're going to take this job. You you haven't found anything else for yourself. You're going to work here. And I did, but I remember it was a dirty feeling for me and it it paid well. Trust me, it did. But I, I, and I worked my tail off. I think because I think I actually worked harder because I knew that everyone there was benefiting from um, a parent, uncle, aunt, someone in the family who uh, was also working at the hospital conglomerate and got them a job there. I'm clutching my pearls right now. I oh, clutch Elise. Oh, oh, how could you? I know I was young. I was nine. I was eighteen. Oh, nineteen. Like I remember, I came home and my mo- my mom was like, "Dude, you've got to get a job." And I, I had worked at a million jobs on campus, but when I came home, because I was in school of management, I didn't have a like. I applied for a million. I'm one of those front runners. Like it's February and I'm applying for work. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't finding anything. And my mom was like, you're not sitting around this house all day. Your aunt got you a job. And I was like, oh, my God. My aunt was always getting, she was like that, though. God bless her. She really was a connector. And I think I get it from her. That's why she's always like, let me introduce. I really watched my aunt move and connect mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And my mom, too. She was just a little bit different about it. But you give and you get. So it's like now I understand the power of that. So whenever I see something or someone lets me know that they're out of work, I try to look and, and, and give an inside track. So if I've worked with that person and I like their work, I'll say, hey, this person is looking. Are you really serious about hiring? That's the other thing, too. You got to balance it. So you don't want to tell somebody else I can get you that job. But if you know that inside a different team is really looking and if and if the culture is right at your job, you say, hey, listen, if you need a, if you don't have anyone in particular in mind and you're, you're going to external candidates, I have somebody for you. And a lot of times it counts. It counts to have that hot connection, a warm connection versus coming in cold. And but definitely, note. I know on that note, right? Um, <laughs> right. You know, you know, I adore you. I'm totally kidding. And you know, you got to do what you, you got to do. But in terms of the parachute for y'all, we're, we're just, you know, delighted that we can connect you with the experience and some of the lessons that we've come across, some hard earned. And whatever color your parachute is, may it be the color of your choosing and land you in a great place.